So I am a car mechanic, and I work part-time at a, a small shop called Tingley's Auto. And for those of you who may not know me, uh, my name is Eric. I am the youth and young adult director here at Catalyst um, over our fusion youth ministry and our young adult ministry. And now, if you wanted to get fancy, you could call me like a next-gen director is a, a job title going around in a lot of churches. But um, mainly, I run the youth here at Catalyst. So so I work bivocationally. I work bivocationally between uh, the shop that I work at and here at the church. But the thing about working on cars, if you don't know, is that it can be a very frustrating task to do something on. Who here can second that? Can anybody second that vehicles? I got a lot of hands back here. Hands, I mean, you, you guys know my struggle. You all know my struggle. But seriously, it can be frustrating to do a task on any vehicle. I'd be lying if I didn't admit that like, I've kind of come to these moments where I just got so frustrated that wrenches were all of a sudden flying this way across the shop and ratchets were making their way through the air back to my toolbox. If I'm not careful, it can actually bring some not so great language from my mouth. I'm just being honest. Welcome to Catalyst. We're honest about where we need to work on ourselves at. But when I do come to those moments, where I've just got this task in front of me, and it needs to be done, but this task has frustrated me to the point of foul language, to the point of violence. I mean, I would say wrenches going across a shop through the air is kind of violent. And then it also brings me to kind of a, a place of just self-loathing about the task, of just being mad at myself and the task in that moment. So when those moments come, I stop, I take a breath, I realize that I need Jesus, right? I mean, we say that a lot in general. You need Jesus. Oh, I need Jesus. We, we all need Jesus. Yes, of course. But in that moment, I really, I need Jesus. So I stop what I'm doing. Maybe I'll just exit the shop entirely, go outside. I stop and I go pray. And even just spending those few moments with Jesus, as I come back to what seems to be whatever demon-possessed car I'm working on at the time, I'm just kidding, that's a joke, it's a joke. He reminds me of who I am in him, less of who I am in this task. Because no matter what the task that is in front of any of us is, Jesus is better. Even if that task absolutely needs to get done, to bring Jesus alongside of me in that task and put him before the task is better. It just is. You know, this is kind of how I relate to Martha, who we're getting ready to talk about here in just a few moments. And you might face similar situations. It may not be a car. Um, maybe you can relate to my situation. There's just this task you do. Maybe once every so often, maybe it's frequent, whatever it is that just gets you frustrated. As you focus on kind of this mindset of like, man, I need to get this task done so, so that I can do that and this. But this task is so frustrating to me that if I don't do this, then, then that will happen or this won't get done either. And we just, you stick yourself in this cycle of frustration and almost self-loathing when all you need to do is bring Jesus with you. 
Maybe you relate to Martha even kind of more than I do. Maybe there's just some tasks that you need to just completely lay aside. Like that can get done later, or that can wait till tomorrow, or even next week. I need to spend this time building my personal relationship with Jesus. This is what is better. But what is better will not happen until I or you, all of us, realize and believe that it is better. Because look, none of us are going to spend any time with Jesus if we do not believe that that time spent with him is important enough. We have to realize the importance of putting him first. So as you turn to Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42 this morning, it's titled Martha and Mary. And if you have your uh, Luke journal with you this morning, it is page 84 in your Luke journal. Um, now, if you don't have one of these at all and you would like one, we're going through this series in Luke and have been for what seems forever at this point. Um, but if you do not have a journal and would like one, um, go ahead and raise your hand. We will get you a journal. Tim, I think we'll uh, go ahead and pass them out. So if you need one of these and don't already have one, go ahead and raise your hand. Tim will be around with some of those Luke journals. Now, this is, this is not to say that these tasks or tasks you have to do are bad. It's, it's not to say that those tasks are bad. They may be good. They actually may be very, very good, but Jesus is better. It could be things you have to do for work like me or, or things you have to do with your family. Maybe you just got house chores piling up on you. Even something you do for, for the church here at the church, like the place you serve on Sunday mornings. We can think of many good tasks to, that we all have in which we still need to think of Jesus first. We need to put Jesus first. So as we get ready to dive into God's word, go ahead and pray with me this morning. Lord, we just want to come before you. God, just ask um, you to... Um, mend our hearts. Just get us to a place where we're ready to hear your word, to hear your teaching, God. Let us be able this morning just to self-reflect on where in our life we need to focus on putting you first at. So just be with us today, God, and, and just let that truth be revealed to us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. So Luke chapter 10, 38 through 42, it says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, said, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Now, this is a, a short passage, but... Much to unpack here regardless. I mean, there is much to learn from it, many places for each of us to apply this in our life. Just a little bit about kind of who is here in this passage and kind of where they are. 
Um, so we have these two sisters, Martha and Mary, whom live there. Now, um, this isn't Mary Magdalene or obviously the mother uh, of Jesus, Mary. This is a different Mary entirely. Um, we know this because it's actually not the only time we read of, read of Mary and Martha in the Gospels, in Scripture. Um, now, we can kind of put together with the, the language that it uses, that like how Jesus entered a village, um, that this was probably the first time that Martha and Mary met Jesus. But it was the first of actually three encounters we get, that we get to read about, even. The other two occasions being recorded in the Gospel of John, where we do get the name of their village, and it is called Bethany. So they are at this village called Bethany, and in those other passages as well, we learn that Martha and Mary are actually sisters of Lazarus, whom Jesus would later raise from the dead. Some of us are more familiar with the story of Lazarus. And really just the fact that we do read about this family multiple times throughout the Gospels, it kind of tells me two things. It tells me two things. One is that Jesus spent time building relationships with them. That, that he probably came to know Martha and Mary and Lazarus very well as close friends, as followers of him. And number two thing that this tells me is that Jesus had much to teach us through this family. So as we read this pat- passage, Martha is kind of our main focus here. Um, but I actually want to talk Martha up for a second. Here's the thing, we can't read this passage and just assume that Martha is all bad, that she's doing everything wrong. A lot of people come to this passage like it's a contrast between the two, like I need to choose this or that. But this is not a either-or situation. This is not an either-or choice, but just to choose what is better first. It's not an either-or, but a this-and. No, just like Martha served, and that's good. But let's think about this first and then serve. That's what it's kind of saying here. This actually starts off with Martha welcoming Jesus into her home. Which, side note, could kind of signify that Martha is the, the oldest between, between the three, as it was kind of custom for the oldest or the head of the household to welcome guests into their home. We don't know that, but it could be. It could be. This is actually how I picture Martha welcoming Jesus into her home. Okay, I'm about to act it out. We ready? Let's see, let's see if we can relate on if Jesus were to show up at our front door. As the Martha welcomed her into her home. So she opened the door. Quick, 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 quick. Mary, Jesus is at the door. And Mary's like, what? No way. No, Mary, Jesus of Nazareth is at our front door. I mean, that's how I picture her being excited about it. I mean, Jesus is like the celebrity of celebrities right now. Think of, of a celebrity showed up your door. You'd be like, what? And then so I, I picture her opening. Actually, she probably didn't shut the door in Jesus' face. We might do that because we just don't know what to happen. We're just like, what do I do? What do I do? But Jesus welcomes, she opens up, Jesus, come in, welcome. Man, we're so glad that you are here at our home. Come in, let us make you comfortable, let us serve you. And then it's all of a sudden, Martha was just off. As soon as she welcomed Jesus in, she was off to get her task done. Like it says, she became distracted with her, with her tasks. 
You know, the very next thing we read as Jesus is welcomed into the home is that Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his teaching. Put a pin in that. We're going to circle back to it. But as I wonderfully just acted out, as it says here, that Martha became distracted with much serving. Again, help me out, Catalyst. Does much serving sound like a bad thing? No. I, I hope you say no. No, serving is not a bad thing. Serving, much serving, is a good thing. We're called to serve. To serve each other, but to serve each other with a loving heart that glorifies Jesus, who first served us. Matthew 6, verse 33, it says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Catalyst, it's, it's when we don't do this. It's when we don't seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness that we, as we're about to find out, we kind of become like Martha. Seeking to serve, which again is a good thing, but seeking to serve from our own righteousness. Matthew 5, 6, it says, one of the Beatitudes in Matthew, it says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Now, God's word also tells us that none are righteous, no, not one. So it's not talking about our righteousness. Whose righteousness is it talking about here? It's talking about Jesus's. It's talking about God, the righteousness of God, just like we read in Matthew 6.33. It's that when we seek after and hunger and thirst for God's righteousness, then we shall be satisfied. It's not my righteousness. It's not your righteousness. It's God's righteousness. And you can almost hear in the, in the next verse or the next text that Martha's frustration. She, she starts to get frustrated here in that next verse. She goes to Jesus about her sister and the situation they're in and kind of just, like how most of us would, would go to one of our parents to complain about a sibling. Come on, those of us that have siblings, let's remember back to when we were like teenagers and even younger. We would go to our parent to complain about our sibling of what we think they should be doing according to what we're doing right? You guys remember that. Mom, why isn't she doing this? Dad, don't you think she should be serving too? As if we knew what was best, right? Right? No. No, we did not know what was best. The parent knew what was best. Just like here, Jesus knows what is best. He knows what's better. Now, Martha didn't have this option. She was dealing with Jesus. But most of us that, that did have siblings when we were growing up, we go to a parent with a complaint, and it got shot down. What did we do? What did you guys do? Made a beeline to the other parent to make your claim and argument again, just hoping that they didn't communicate with each other, right? I mean, that's what I did. Now, though I did that, it usually did not work out in my favor. I don't know about you guys. That did not usually work out in my favor and there's any teenagers in the room, there's, I mean, I think there's a lesson somewhere in there for you. I don't know quite where. There's a lesson somewhere for teenagers there. But that's what Martha did, right? She went up to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care 
that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But in reading this about this situation that Martha, Mary, Jesus are all in, for me it kind of raises a few questions at first. A few questions are, you know, why was Mary so distracted with the tasks that she was doing? Why did Martha get frustrated in those tasks? Would Martha have normally gotten frustrated if, if may say, Jesus wasn't there? And the last one is, why didn't Mary help her? I mean, that's a legit question. Why didn't Mary help her? As we'll find out, Mary was, again, choosing the better portion. And we can see that Martha was very task-minded, right? I mean, a lot of us can think of, even right now, that person we know that is just very task-minded. <coughs> Dave. <coughs> No, I'm just kidding. I'm not saying Dave is like Martha here. That's not what I'm saying. Dave actually does a very good job of doing the this and, you know, going to Jesus first, then doing the task because he is a task-minded person as well. But for Martha, when she just goes straight to her tasks, it's like this is what matters most. These tasks are what need to happen. Mary must be wrong. She is not helping with the important things that need to be done. Now, I don't think that it's not that Martha didn't love or didn't believe in Jesus. I believe that Martha had both those things, love and belief in Jesus. I mean, we're reading about how she's trying to serve him, but she was, she was focused on the preparations and the formalities that are kind of associated with the visit of such an important person who was Jesus, but that she wasn't focused on Jesus. She was focused on serving him, yes, but serving him in her own way, not his way. She was serving the only way she knew how. A lot of us could relate with Martha a lot in this that she just knew to keep busy. She just knew to keep busy to get things done but in the way she thought they should be done. It said that she became distracted with much serving. I mean, I don't know about you, but the way I picture serving a guest at my home would be to do things like prepare a meal, make sure things are clean and tidy, maybe set the table, all these things we can think of to make sure our guest is welcome, taken care of, comfortable. But this is where the rubber kind of met the road for Martha. Martha was focused on what she could do within her own power for Jesus. She was focused kind of on herself in an aspect. Maybe not purposefully, but even like subconsciously, she was just focused on, on what she could do by herself. You know, this might have had something to do maybe with some pride that Martha was hanging on to. We don't know for sure. Maybe she just wanted to impress Jesus with her serving. Right, because Martha wanted she her goal she wanted to be in good graces with Jesus, right? So when she sees Mary just simply sitting at the feet of Jesus, being in His good graces, she probably thought, you know, how is it? How is it that Mary 
isn't doing anything, yet has Jesus' blessing. You know, I think Martha's heart was in the right place. I think she had a heart to serve Jesus. She had a heart that loved Jesus. But that she allowed her mind to be swallowed up by the tasks at hand. Of whatever was in front of her. Stuff making her anxious, making her frustrated, even making her envious of Mary. Maybe the only reason that she got frustrated was because she was trying to get in this good standing with Jesus by her own works. You know? Maybe she's just trying to, she got so frustrated because she was trying to be in good standing with Jesus by her own works. Not by what Jesus was trying to do for her by showing up at her house in the first place. She just didn't quite get it yet. Martha didn't quite get it yet. Not like Mary got it. Mary got it. The only thing said about Mary here is that, again, she sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. She was seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, not her own. She was saying with her actions that, that yes, serving, serving is good, but Jesus is better. These preparations you're doing are not bad things, I agree, but Jesus is better. Martha welcomed Jesus, yes, into their home, but then she neglected Jesus so that she could, you know, what I would think, maybe make him this huge meal. I don't know, whatever comes to your mind when you think of much serving when you welcome a guest in. You know, I would think she's trying to make this huge meal that none of them probably needed. You know, now, Jesus is there, so I'm sure a meal was in order. Like, I don't think any of us would have Jesus show up at our door and not make a meal to break bread with them. But that she was trying to do a lot of things that just didn't need to be done then. Because what we do with Jesus is far more important than what we do for Jesus. Think about that. What we do with Jesus outweighs what we do for Jesus. Because here's the thing. If we go, if we do things for Christ without Christ, then, then we do not have Christ. And if, if Martha or you or me continue in that way, we become for ourselves, we become for our tasks in front of us, or maybe even for how people see us around us. We become kind of, we can become superficial in our serving. You know, a few things are as damaging to a Christian life as trying to work for Christ without taking the time to commune with Christ. This is what Jesus refers to in John 15, verse 5. When Jesus says himself that he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. From apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, a lot of people like to take that, even that last part out of context. Like, what do you mean? I can, I can do things when I'm not following Jesus 
Yeah, technically, physically, you can do stuff. But when you're trying to do things for Christ, when you're trying to bear fruit without communing with Christ, I mean, it's as if you are doing nothing for the kingdom of God. So as Mary, or not Mary, Martha, is trying to bear fruit without abiding in Jesus first. And Jesus corrects her. And this isn't like a righteous anger rebuke to Martha, but he just gently and lovingly gives her correction. To as Dave said last week um, in, in his Easter sermon that Jesus came to Martha to remove her blinders and show her the truth. To remove her blinders and show her the truth. And we read that it said, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. I know, but one thing is necessary. Just one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. You know, I would think that Martha right here in this moment realized that she was almost serving two masters. Because if serving makes us difficult to live with, or serving makes us difficult to be around, especially by other followers of Jesus, I mean, there could be something terribly wrong with our service. We need to make sure that we are going to Jesus first and foremost, and then to do things for him. So for, um, actually, for example, actually, um, me personally, when I was in Honduras, when I was in Honduras this past January, we were on a mission trip, and God just gave me this moment where, where he just gave me clarity and realization of the importance of what Jesus is teaching here. Because this can be applied in many different ways according to where we are in our personal relationship with Jesus. So I took a picture here while in Honduras, and this was taken out of the bus window. Um, we're all, we take this bus everywhere we go. Um, this particular instance, we're on a bus ride for like three hours. And if you know anything about me, I love the outdoors. I'm a very outdoorsy person. I love hiking and backpacking. Man, I love the mountains and the mountain view. Just something about God's creation, especially when looking at mountains. You get to see how big God is, his majesty, the power of God. It kind of caught my attention on this bus ride through that. So I take this picture, and at first, I look at the picture, I'm like, oh, man, this stupid sign messed up my awesome mountain picture. And I put my phone in my pocket. But on, on that bus ride, man, God just allowed me to and just grabbed my attention. I spent an hour just staring out the window. What's awesome is it didn't matter if I stared out this window because that's what you saw. Or if I stared out the bus on the other side, this is what you saw. I mean, just these beautiful mountain ranges just showing God's creation, showing how big he is. That's what God was kind of just telling me in that moment. Like I said, I literally spent an hour just staring out the window at all these mountain ranges. Now, I had it easy because, like I said, we're on a three-hour bus ride. What else was I going to do, right? But, but later on, I, I went and looked at this picture again, 
And I, I know it's small and it's in Spanish, but can anybody tell what type of sign that is? Ryan, what kind of sign is that? It's a stop sign. God was telling me as I'm taking this picture, I thought that this sign ruined it. No, he was speaking me, to me through it that he said, Eric, stop and slow down. Be still and know that I am God. If you like to stare at these mountain ranges and think of me, then stop. Sometimes we just need to slow down and stop and just stand in awe at the glory of God or just to sit at his feet in submission and thanksgiving. We just gotta take that time, that personal time to commune with him. Set that time aside. And that's pretty much where this passage kind of leaves us at. It's where this passage circles back to is relationships, specifically our relationship with Jesus and where it is at. Now this is actually what we've been covering um, in the youth group, for the last several weeks, um, we've been in this series called Relationships. And so the, the, the students um, should know exactly all what I'm about to say. They've heard this like every week for the last four weeks. Um, but we've been learning about our relationships, especially the one we have with Jesus, and what they should look like. What our relationship should look like. And I've got four Four ways or aspects, however you want to say it, for us to kind of self-reflect with here. To ask ourselves, does my relationship with Jesus look like this? The first one is that it be personal. That it is a personal relationship. You don't just have a relationship with the God of your church or the God of the world, but you have a personal relationship with your Lord and Savior, Jesus. Which meaning, you know, it's not just functional. So the question to ask yourself here is, do you take the, the personal time to commune with Jesus and his word and in your prayer? First and more, do you spend time with Jesus? The second one is that our relationship should be deepening. Now, it doesn't say just deep, that it just shouldn't, once we accept him into our life, that it should automatically be just this deep, awesome relationship no, it doesn't just happen like that, but it takes nourishment and cultivating and development in our relationship with him. This is referring to sanctification, becoming more like Jesus, that our relationship should be deepening, an ongoing thing as we grow closer and trust to him. So are you, are you in a place where, where you think you have enough or have done enough? Do you have a mindset right now where it's like, I, I have enough faith, or, or I know enough about God. This one would be kind of even more arrogant to say, but I've done enough for God. I don't need to do anything else. Those are things to ask, you know, if, if that's where you are, ask yourself, is your relationship deepening? Don't be stagnant in your relationship. The third is that it should be supportive. Basically meaning to, to bear one another's burdens, to have encouragement. I mean, I think we could all sit here this morning and think of how Jesus supports us. I mean, 
if nothing else, we just got to look what he first and foremost did for us on the cross when he went to die for our sins, for the forgiveness of our sin, to give us his righteousness. I mean, if that's not supportive, I don't know what is. And even further than that, like I said, it's a personal relationship with him. A lot of people here this morning can attest to how Jesus has personally uh, supported them individually, something that's unique to their testimony. Now, we might ask, like, how do I support God? Like, how, do, how am I support, to support Jesus? And it's simpler than what you think. We say all the time here at Catalyst, it's listen to God and do what he says. Listen to God and do what he says. That's what being supportive is. Are you being an ambassador for Christ because you're called to be? Are you spreading his gospel truth to the people around you? Proclaiming his good news? Because that is what it is to be supportive in your relationship with God. And that all three of these kind of lead us to that it should be faith building. Like, yes, our personal relationship with Jesus should help us build faith in Jesus. It should help us live by faith in God's grace. Is your faith being built upon? Ladies and gentlemen, these are all points that we can self-reflect with to kind of see where we are in our relationship with Jesus. Because following those, those four aspects of what a relationship should look like with Jesus, that's what's going to truly bring you to the feet of Jesus like Mary was. Then to have that overflow into your other relationships of the people around you. So take, for example, taking, like serving on Sundays. Serving on Sunday mornings is a great thing, but you should always ask yourself these two things. Literally, if you serve anywhere on Sunday morning, whether it's the tech booth, you're in the band, maybe it's just coffee cafe, or you're back in the children's ministry, anywhere, ask yourself, am I serving out of love for Jesus, and am I serving out of love for others? That's the first thing to ask yourself. I mean, that comes straight from the greatest commandment that Jesus ever gave us, love God and love others. The second thing is to ask is, is my serving building my relationship with Jesus? And is it helping build my relationships with others? I'm here to tell you, serving without relationships is just obligation. Serving without relationships is just obligation. Just like knowing knowledge of God without a relationship with God is just plain religion. The point is this, is that the mere formalities with a relationship with Jesus, things like, like serving uh, for Martha, specifically serving Jesus' dinner, or, or just meeting him in a social setting, must never take place of a vital and personal relationship with our Lord Jesus. You can get too focused on developing um, in the principles that you lose sight of the person from whom those principles originated. You can bury yourself in the principles of God's word and all the while not be cultivating your relationship with him. 
Again, the principles of God's word without a relationship with God are just dry, it's just dry, dead religion. It's all about a relationship with him. Now, don't get me wrong. I am not saying that the principles of God's word are not vital to us as a believer in Jesus. They are very vital. But we have to be careful that we don't get so busy trying to do the what that we forget about the most precious thing in life, which is a relationship with the who. 2 Corinthians 13, 14, this is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. You know, the failure of, of many believers is that they embark on so many activities alone. They go on all these activities and, and they don't take God along with them. You know, remember that no matter the activity that any of us are ever engaging in, that we should always make God a part of it in some way, somehow, that God should be a part of everything that we do. We need to practice his presence in everything we do. Stay in constant communication with God because, again, the mere social contact cannot replace serious attention to him and his teaching. Remember, Jesus is the one necessary thing. He is teaching us through Martha and Mary here that many good things, however many they may be, do not con constitute the one good thing. John chapter 6, 35, it says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus is the bread of life. I mean, talking about good things in general, I've made uh, just two very, very short, very short lists here, but I mean, it could, good actions, being kind, it's good. Being generous, that's also very good. Helping others, serving Coming to church on Sundays. These are all great things. Other things throughout, you know, throughout our life. Health, home comforts, worldly position. Position, not possession. Difference there. Worldly position can still actually be a good thing. Literary delights, the books that we read, the hobbies that we have. Many they may be. List can go on and on and on with good things, things that are good in their measure, but they will not satisfy us. Look, these, all these things are good, but they are not the bread of life. These things are not the light of the world. They are not the vine. They are not the way or the truth or the life, but Jesus says, I am. I am all of these things. This is why he is the better portion. Jesus says, I am. Remember, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Now, this does, this does not mean that things are easy. 
just easy with Jesus. But I am here to tell you that they are more peaceful. They, they are more joyful. They are more fulfilling when done from a Christ-centered perspective. At the end of the day, we all have to really just ask ourselves, is there anything that I am allowing in my life that is keeping me from choosing the better portion? Whether that be certain tasks, whether that be a mindset of serving, maybe you just need to get some of your priorities straightened out. A lot of us can relate with that. So what are some practical takeaways this morning? <clears throat> I've got several for you. That if, if you are someone who is allowing some sort of task or tasks to distract you, distract you from spending personal time with Jesus, to choose the better portion by getting your priorities just straightened out, maybe you just need to comb through everything you have to do through the week and carve out that personal time with Jesus. The second thing is that if you are allowing certain things to frustrate you or to cause anxiety or a lot of stress, now these things will come our way in life whether we want them to or not, but when they do come, remember who's in your corner. Choose the better portion by seeking Jesus first and then bring him along with you in whatever you do. If you're like me, and you're used to going through life at 100 miles an hour, you just need to remember to slow down. Just slow down. Choose the better portion by sitting at the feet of Jesus and just spending personal time with him. If you're someone who is seeking to be satisfied by maybe the things of this world or you're looking to be satisfied from your own righteousness, choose the better portion by realizing those things will actually leave you portionless. It is Jesus who is the best portion, who satisfies all. It is his righteousness. We are only satisfied when we seek out his righteousness, not our own. And lastly, if, if you're here this morning, maybe, um, maybe you don't know Jesus personally. Maybe you don't have that personal relationship with him. Choose the better portion by seeking out Jesus and his teachings. Just seek him out. Learn, learn of him. Learn more about him. Learn from him. Do this through his word, through prayer, through the the, his people, the people sitting around you now. And maybe that's where you are this morning. Maybe you just don't consider yourself to have any relationship with Jesus, let alone a personal one. Maybe you still have concerns or questions that just need to be answered before you commit your life to Jesus, accepting him as your personal Lord and Savior who satisfies all. My prayer for you is that you do seek out those answers. I'm here to tell you because you are in a place right here, right now, where the people around you, they want you to find those answers. The people around you, if they can, they want to help you in any way that they can to find those answers. 
you know, we have many small groups or community groups and Bible studies that are going on here at Catalyst. My encouragement is get into one of those because that will help you seek those answers out. You can join one of those community groups this very week. Maybe even after all of this, you still wonder what Jesus has to offer you. Maybe you're thinking like, man, all this sounds really good, but at the foundation of it all, what does Jesus really offer me? 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, for our sake, he made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Listen, when Christ died on the cross, he took the sins of mankind upon himself and he made atonement for them, every single one of them for every single one of us. When we place our faith and our trust in Jesus, our sins are then imputed onto him and his, again, his righteousness is then imputed onto us. My prayer is that you just look to him who satisfies our hunger and thirst for righteousness because he is our bread of life. There's one thing which is so, just so surpassingly excellent that it may be considered the one good thing. Just as Jesus said, that one necessary thing. That good part which shall not be taken away. To Mary, this was divine truth as it came to her in the person and in the words of Jesus Christ. To us, it also comes as heavenly wisdom, as truth as we gain it directly from Jesus. Through his word, through our prayer, to commune with him. Mary filled her cup with that truth as she sat at the feet of Jesus and heard his word. We also receive it in our hearts as we come to him, as we learn of him, as we follow him and abide in him. Ladies and gentlemen, the better portion that we're talking about here today, it's made available to everyone. So we can all choose this better portion. And if you ask me, I say that we must choose that better portion so that we can truly be satisfied in him who gives his grace and his portion as a gift. Let's pray. Lord God, we just want to come before you this morning. God, we just thank you so much for you, Jesus. You who are the better portion. God, I just pray that we all get to um, if we haven't already, just get that time to self-reflect in our heart, in our mind of, of where we are in our personal relationship with you, God. God, bring to light, remove our blinders if need be and show us the truth of how our relationship should be personal and deepening and supportive and, and just faith-building, God. Lord, just be with us all as we go throughout this week that we can focus in on you. We can carve out that time and spend it 
with you, no matter what our specific circumstance may be. So God, we just, we thank you and we praise you. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, let's stand and sing.